Alaska's newsmakers. Action Line, K-I-N-Y. Good morning. Today on Action Line, my city gadfly. Yes, sir. And his name is, why is it? Wait a second. Got the wrong mic here. There you go, Wade. All Wade right, Bryson. How are you? I'm doing great, Ken. Good to be in the studio with me. It always feels like my first time in here. <laughs> Well, we have a lot on your agenda today, and we'll start with the city's plans to enact an environmental study on the development of the HUNA project, HUNA Totem project. Are you referring to the Port Development $300,000 study that the Assembly is moving through the process right now? Yes. Uh, When did this come up? (sighs) Recently, (laughs) um, HUNA Totem gave... What I felt was a phenomenal presentation uh, to a previous committee of the whole assembly where all nine of us are there, but it's more of a work session than an assembly deciding like a regular assembly meeting. And man, Huda Totem is the, the, I would consider them the experts of port development or destination development. I mean, they're just the guys in Southeast that are doing it. They're the experts at it. And I don't think Juno could have produced a better, like, uplands, infrastructure, you know, being able to hide 30 buses underneath a park so that the community doesn't look at the buses, but yet we have the infrastructure that's getting tourism spread out a little bit more downtown so it's not concentrated. You know, bus depots that the community won't ever see. They'll just see the buses leaving the garage, essentially. Um I want to say that that port development came up shortly after that. We talk about the two city-owned cruise docks. They're known as 16B. And the reason why they got that name is that they were the 16th version, or the 16th rendition version B. So it took that many chances to figure out what do we do? How do we put these two docks there? And those were pretty simple. Um, does this help the Huna Totem Project and the potential of a Coast Guard icebreaker coming to Juno? That's the the deciding point. Uh, some people who are in favor of this say yes, it'll help all of that. While you have a governmental, a federal governmental agency, and you also have a private sector entity. I don't think everything's on the same page, and I'm really concerned that this study will harm Juno's ability to have uh, increased development down there. The city did put in a bid for the same chunk area, of land, yeah. And they lost to Huna Totem in the I w- bid? Uh, I want to say that, uh, nope, that we got to go back a little bit further. When the, the land came up for bid, it was assessed at like $3.2 million. I want to say that the city's bid that they put in was one of the lowest bids that came in. I want to say the city was somewhere around $5 million, uh, give or take. Um, the next set of bids were in the $9 million, $11 million. There might have been an $8 million bid. And then Norwegian Cruise Lines came in with $20 million. Um, which then led to a whole other litany of problems because nobody expected that piece of property to go so much higher than the assessed value. Um, So then as Norwegian Cruise Lines were trying to figure out how and what to do with that piece of property, it made a whole heck of a lot of sense to say, hey, we have this 
corporation that is in charge or one of their jobs is port development and destination development, we should let them develop this. And that's how it got into Huna Totem's hands. And, um, you know, like I said, Huna Totem becomes the experts and the city wants to have public-private partnerships. Uh, the Eagle Crest Gondola, great example. And so that I think that would be kind of my pushback on the port development you if you want if the government the city government wants to have public private partnerships they can't hamstring the private sector and say behave exactly like government now because as a guy coming from the private sector private sector doesn't operate the same way that government does and there's a disconnect right now and a lot of people are really trying to get everybody on the same page. Most people want to see this happen. There's definitely vocal minority that think that the the five ships that we get is already too many. That how dare we think about a, a dock even though that we lighter a fifth ship. And so by having the dock there, we increase the likelihood of the icebreaker and then we increase safety too. So when are you going to address this study and the money needed for it? I want to say it next assembly. It comes up for public testimony. I think that's its next stage in the process. And so the public's going to have a chance to weigh in. And uh, after the public's uh, uh, chance, then the assembly will have an opportunity to, uh, to discuss that topic. 300000 300000 Could be more. Well, it's not about the dollar figure. I think it's the um, uh, death by committee action. You don't want something to happen, then study the heck out of it, and that's how you prevent things from happening. So I don't want to call this $300,000 political cowardice, but $300,000 to, to do a study that delays and impedes this private development that's the goal of the anti-cruise industry the more you delay it the less likelihood it gets built and so this strategy plays right into their narrative i hate to say it so bluntly like that um well I, you're, you're part of that narrative because you are an assemblyman oh i guess so yeah <laughs> did you forget uh, sometimes <laughs> But I got to wear like five different hats, man. I'll be in the middle of wearing one hat, and then all of a sudden somebody will, will come up to me and be like, "Hey, wait for you've got this hat too. I need to focus on that." So, but it is what it is, man. Whatever you want to talk to me about. Yeah, well, this is a big. You know, they they were ready to break ground in a exactly. You know, oh, this is going to delay it. Maybe how long? I don't know. It, it well. And again, if it if goes you through, if it hasn't gone through. It's just a proposal. Yeah, if you point. delay it long enough and you can just grind the uh, interested party down. And uh, to me, it's a little, I'm a little disheartened. The city did try to buy this land so we could control the land and control the dock and control the waterfront. The city very clearly lost out on that. So. I'm, I think it's a little disingenuous for the city to then put restrictions on to say, no, you can't do the, we're not going to give you permission to build that dock, which would then stop any development there. They're not going to develop that property if it's not included with a dock for then hopefully the city to come through and get to build a dock in future years. Man, that's the most unethical operation that, I mean, it just sounds bad saying it out loud. Is it possible it's just a good study? Huna, all right, so let's, let's talk about that. Um, Huna Totem 
they've built docks. And so we're going to take a, a, a consultant who doesn't own any docks and they're going to come through and they're going to gather as much data. And I mean, you can always, like I said, slow the project down by process. And the more you slow the process down, the less likelihood that it gets developed. I would think that HUNA already had their own study done to get the plan approved to begin with by the city. Of course they did. So are they not happy with that study? Are there gaps in it that they want to fill? Well, no, you can't slow the process down unless you have that study. So I I do kind of think that there is a almost a deliberate attempt to derail this project. And I hate to even say that out loud, but if that's what it feels like and that's the consequences of this uh, study, it it is deliberately slowing the project down. And I don't think Juno's in a, a position right now where we can say no to a $150 or $180 million project that brings jobs into our community. We at, we're begging the community to develop. Please build housing. Please build housing. And, um, you know, so we're trying to get development. You can't say no to the people that do want to develop in one side of your mouth and then out of the other side of your mouth say, but please develop. Oh, we're not going to, only what we like though. Well, I'm sure this will be a lot of discussion in the next meeting, as you said, when it's brought up. Who is the leader of this study to initiate? They'll they'll have to come out with an RFP, a request for proposal. And then, so there's a process to get the consultant group to do it. Hmm. or the engineer group or whatever. Uh, so an RFP will go out and people, a few people probably apply and fill that out. But were there, were there some assembly representatives that were behind this to begin with that you knew of, or did it come from the city manager? I don't know of any assembly members. Uh, I don't know what process got them to that point. Is this like something that surprised you? You, you didn't see this coming? Um, no, because had it, it no, hadn't been. No it, word of it out there at all? Um, that's a little hard to say. I, it's, it wasn't on my radar until somebody wanted to spend $200,000. So it might have gotten For mentioned. 300. Well, it started at two hundred, oh. and then another hundred got tacked onto it. And so I don't think it had my attention or I wasn't aware of it until we actually started putting dollar figures to things. Everything's an idea until it's governmental funded, and then it's real. Hmm. Well, let's talk about some other things. You have quite the agenda today of things to discuss. Uh, This morning, we had a wonderful two-hour meeting with the Juno uh, legislative delegation. Uh, Keel, Story, and Hannah were there, and uh, they shared with us what their uh, current roles and assignments are. And um, the nice thing about a brand new freshman heavily uh, heavily freshman legislature is that right now the Juno delegation has a little bit more seniority and so uh, they mentioned that they have a couple of chair assignments or co-chair assignments and that's always going to be helpful uh, for southeast Alaska um, they're on top of uh, uh, some of the uh, infrastructure projects that are going on uh, from ferry funding to uh, the North Douglas Second Crossing um, that was discussed. Uh, education uh, support. If I was going to bet a shiny nickel on anything, I bet you a shiny nickel that the base student allocation, how much money you get per kid, goes up a, at least inflationary adjustment this year. 
Uh, it's just the momentum that I've heard, and I've heard it from both sides of the aisles as well. The Juno-Douglas crossing, uh, this, this discussion has been going on for a while. Uh, how far can you get along with the legislature getting behind it? So it has been discussed before. This is a different period that we're in. When it was the few times that it's been brought up before, it's only kind of been hinted to by one governmental agency. It didn't really have a lot of focus. Uh, the North Douglas Second Crossing right now has federal money and attention. It has state money and state resources, meaning that there are labor hours dedicated to uh, developing the second crossing. There's the uh, Pell study, something environmental linkage study that's going over the environmental concerns of it. Um, it has, so it's got plenty of state funding. And Juno has also allocated resources for it. And we have the Public Works and Facilities um, Department is also put energy and resources into it. Um, Right now, we're at like a precipice of the second crossing. There's not been another point in history where the second crossing was as close to realization as it is right now. And they've gotten tremendous feedback uh, back from the community. Um, so we've gotten lots of public comment. And the public comment period was extended to February 2nd. So I do recommend anybody that uh, does want to make that comment. February 2nd is the deadline, jdnorthcrossing.com, and there's a SurveyMonkey link, and that's how uh, any citizen can put their two cents in. When you say we're getting close, how close do you think we are to actually seeing this come to reality? They're starting to boil it down to a couple of really ideal crossings. So at first, every crossing was on the the list and I, I think that they're at the phase where they're kind of narrowing in on a couple of options um, the, the two options that have the most attention and the most comments and the most momentum behind them are the uh, Fritz Cove engineer cutoff path which would require a new road and a 400 foot bridge 400 million if it's a penny the other most likely location that it could go to is at the Sunny Point overpass, where it's almost the road is, is pretty much designed to accommodate uh, transportation. Nice thing about the Sunny Point overpass side, the city owns the land on both sides of the channel. And then the government, uh, state of Alaska, DNR, controls the other. So there would be no property acquisition that would be required if they picked the Sunny Point alternative. And some initial figures that I've gathered, Sunny Point would be about $100 million to cross there compared to $400 million to cross at Engineer's Cutoff. That's why I'm advocating for the Sunny Point because if we come in and be like, hey, $100 million versus $400 million, the cheaper project will have the higher likelihood. That's what I'm pushing right now. Sold. All right. Well, how can you argue that? $300 million saving, lands owned by the city? Yeah. Sounds perfect. Uh, there's this pesky wetlands in between, <laughs> but that's what they're one of the things that they're working through right now. All right. Very good. Well, we'll take a break and come back with more from Wade Bryson, Assemblyman, my guest today on Action Line. 
Action Line continues. K-I-N-Y. It is 10.51 a.m. here at Action Line. Wade Bryson, Assemblyman of Juno, is in the studio. He's, one, he's, he's ready for a little trash talking now, as we will talk about the trash change going on. I am a trash talker. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. Uh, so uh, Public Works and Facilities, la- uh, this previous Monday, we got an update uh, from Jim Denton, uh, who is the supervisor over 131 landfills was, I think, the number that he gave us. And Juno has presented... And he's with... Uh, ca- uh, WM? Uh, yeah. No, d- uh, Waste Management, I think, is the guys that pick it up. Oh, I forgot their acron- everybody's acronyms. He's the guy over the landfill. Uh, waste Management is the company that picks up. So we have two entities, which only compounds the problem. So the city doesn't control the pickup of waste, nor does the city control the landfill that it goes in. There's a certificate of convenience that the city looked at trying to get that would allow us to control the pickup. We didn't get it. It was another avenue that the city attempted and failed. Um, But trash is a really big deal right now. We shut the incinerator down about a decade or so ago. I don't remember the specific year. Um, But what's happened is the Mount Juno trash hill has just grown and grown and grown. We know that we have just less than 20 years, and it's because we have a very consistent 33,000 tons of trash is brought into our landfill on a yearly basis. We've done some things like uh, worked with the cruise industry so that they're not doing massive unloads here in Juneau, which, so they're not adding to the problem. Um, you know, we've got PFAS and everything, um, as the dump gets closer to its end of life, they're going to be more restrictive about what's going into the dump, and it's going to become more expensive. The minimum was a six-foot pickup for 50 bucks. is like 48 and change, 49 and change. It's going to the minimum is now 1,000 pounds, and that's 12 cents a pound, so it's going to be 120 bucks when you go take your pickup now. So that's a substantial change. Um, for the gro- uh, for the trash bill for the community. Beginning February 1st. Beginning February 1st. And it also goes to Saturday only for residents? Yes. So one of the other components of a landfill is what they call the landfill face. The amount of landfill where the trash is exposed to the air, where, pe- where the trucks back up and dump all the trash off. The rest of the landfill is closed and covered with um, ground fill. So that way you don't have a, a mountain of trash that's just airing out. And by restricting the uh, face of the landfill, you also restrict the smell. Uh, the other component is that OSHA, the federal department of OSHA, came down with new guidelines that said anybody that's going near the face of the landfill to unload needs to have a hard hat and a safety vest on. That's a federal rule. It has nothing to do with uh, capital disposal or waste management. No, they didn't make up that rule. In fact, they did the, the they tried to accommodate. They had $10 you could get a hard hat and a vest that you could then have for 10 bucks. Um Juno, not every citizen in Juno complied with that, and that has what has brought the restriction down to ten to noon. 
10 to noon on, on Saturdays, Saturdays. Once a week. Once a week. For yeah. general, public general public delivery of trash. Oh, okay. So, but I have a solution because there's a whole bunch of guys that are kind of like me that while we don't throw things away professionally, every once in a while I have a project and it requires multiple uh, dump runs that I usually do on my own behalf. And so I asked him that point blank, what about a, a guy who then finds himself in a position to need to utilize the dump during the week? You fill out a vendor permit. So then you become a commercial account holder and then there's accountability and you'll be able to use the, the landfill through, during the week if you have a vendor permit. And the reason behind that is that, like I said, not every Juno citizen was behaving as appropriately as they needed to. And people say that can't be a reason. Well, that was the reason that um, waste management gave us or capital disposal gave us the lack of compliance at both the scale house and at the uh, dump face. And so it does go along the lines with Juno was working on zero waste strategy. So we have strategies to increase composting. We did receive two and a half million dollars to increase or to build a composting facility. Um, and we're, there's a reclamation yard where there's a couple of different things. We're trying to get waste streams diverted out of the landfill. This when did one, the two and a half million come through? Uh, this last round of federal funding, the same round that got us seven million dollars for the second crossing, also had two and a half million dollars for composting. So how will you apply this money? That's the question right now. What is the best strategy? We have Juno Compost, um, and Miss Daughtry has done a phenomenal job of introducing and industrializing composting here in Juno. Um, it was only being done on an individual basis before Lisa started doing it. And so, working in conjunction with the current composter, I think is uh is what would make it the most effective um you know you still have a private entity that's trying to figure out how to make that a a commercial viable ongoing entity and then you have the city who has somewhat different needs they need to be able to service as much of the community as possible so you have the greatest effect of composting and finding a, a where those two entities match up and how the community can be best served without the city going in direct competition against Lisa, who brought composting to Juno. We don't want to do that. So it's uh, navigating how we join those forces, I think, is the the sticky wicket for us right now. Still not sure. What about the $2.5 million? What will that be used for? We don't know. Well, what, so what could it be used Building for? a facility. It could be for equipment. Um, you have a shredder that can uh, shred up your cardboard. And I think we even bought a little mini shredder. So that way shredding can go into composting. Um, there's a couple of different things that you can do. Uh, we So what the public works uh, department decided to do was let's come up with a strategy before we just start throwing money at it. And um, I think a full compost, like a full-on facility, I think was price tagged at six million bucks. This two million would go a long way towards design and understanding. And again, we have to we have an existing business in town that already composts. It would be irresponsible for the city to go into direct competition with a private business 
that's already successfully doing that. So figuring out how to, those two entities can work in conjunction with each other, I think is one of the most important details. Are there any other communities, cities in Alaska that have gone to the level that we're talking about? No, I really think Juneau has led the way. Uh, one of the other uh, southeast Alaskan cities, their landfill just got filled up and they started shipping trash down south. That being? I want to say it was Skagway. And what happened is their trash kept catching on fire. You can't just ship bag up and ship trash down south. There's too much methane and too much, well, all the gases that are produced from it, and it's flammable and they literally were catching their trash on fire when they were trying to transport it out of their city. And that's not sustainable. It takes a tremendous amount of energy to just get your trash dumped into a landfill to take additional energy to then go from that pile in a landfill, then efficiently pack it into a a proper container that can fireproof and do that and then load that container onto a truck which then loads it onto a, a, a site where a crane operates and lifts it rides on a boat 900 miles south gets unloaded again by another crane gets put onto another truck gets delivered to another facility and then gets disposed of there is no way that somebody could convince me that that is a sustainable model for getting rid of your trash. We need something that is effective for Juno. Well, we'll end on that note. Well done, sir. Uh, always glad to come in, Ken. <laughs> Wade Bryson, Assemblyman. Action Line. Weekday mornings. Action Line. If it happens in Southeast, you'll hear it on Action Line. K-I-N-Y.